What you want me to say? I stay blazed all day. No matter where I'm creeping, hot boxing on your block. And at the spot on the weekends, you'll see smoke rising. Just who could it be? It's my rhyme and crowd partner, D dash L O C C. What up, and welcome to the Beneath the Dirt podcast. I'm your host, Rombone. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 44, and I had the Joker's Gallery on. You know, the Joker's Gallery, he did all those dope documentaries 20 and 17. He just most recently did the 2019 Amazing Jekyll Brothers documentary in which I appeared on it. I had him back on the show to discuss our top five Cottonmouth Kings albums. We're both huge Cottonmouth Kings fans, so this was a fun episode to do. And dope to talk more about Cottonmouth Kings. Not a lot of people out there talking about the Cottonmouth Kings. So without any further ado, let's get into the show. I'm gonna get so high. 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 Here I go. Got the Joker's Gallery with me. We're gonna be running through our top five Cottonmouth Kings albums. What's going on, homie? Hell yeah, man. Always down to talk some Cottonmouth Kings. And about the last five years or so, we haven't had much to talk about. No, no not much to talk about. Uh, they're reigniting the flame now with suburban noise and all that shit. And they, you know, pumping out some new music. We got that new album last year. I see you posting a shitload of uh, Cottonmouth up on your Instagram and stuff. Yeah, I really got into that after that show you did with, um, what was the name of the, uh, the Checkmate che- yeah. Checkmate Industries. That that show was that show was off the hook. So anybody that's watching this because they're into Cottonmouth Kings, definitely check that one out. You had Saint Dolls cousin on there, and that dude was dropping knowledge the entire show. Yeah, absolutely. He, and I think I said to, on their show um, to go check out their podcast because they have even more information that they talked about. Yeah, as soon, as soon as I got done with that episode of your podcast, I went and watched all of theirs. And all of them, they, they get a lot of info. They got E-Man on there talking about the first beats from back in the day. I didn't know any of that stuff. And I've no. watched everything I could watch that I've been able to find from Cottonmouth Kings. And they were dropping all kinds of new info. Yeah, man. They they got a lot of dope information. Really good podcast to listen to. I was It was a pleasure to have them on. It's a pleasure to have you on. I know Appreciate you're a big it. Cottonmouth fan. and. I talked about how I got into Cottonmouth on that episode, so if you want to hear how I got into Cottonmouth, go check out Cottonmouth Confusion Part 2. But Cottonmouth Kings is one of my favorite groups ever. I fucking love Cottonmouth. These dudes are the shit. I've followed their career closely since 1998, going on 21 years now. But yeah, how did you get into Cottonmouth? Uh, pretty much the same time frame that you're talking about right there. I was dating a chick that was kind of internet savvy for back in the day, back in 98 at least. She had like the number one link on uh, insaneclownposse.com. So she knew all the like internet tactics back in the day, which I still kind of struggle with internet tactics. But back in 98, she had somehow downloaded most of the uh, Royal Highness CD and had it on her computer to listen to. And she let me to hear it because I'd heard that they got kicked off of tour with ICP. And I'm thinking to myself, 
how kind of crazy motherfuckers get kicked off a tour with ICP? Like, you got to be crazy. I want to hear what it is. And then, you know, it's named the Cottonmouth Kings. Every song, if you look at the album, I don't think every song actually lasted 420, but every song's listed as lasting 420. So immediately you're just kind of interested in it. I put it on and uh, Bond Token Alcoholics, I thought that was super dope. And then as soon as Play On came on, I really connected with Saint Dog. I never heard anybody in the rap game and I've been a fan of rap since 88 and I never heard anybody in the rap game that sounded like me on record and all of a sudden there's Saint Dog man and he's just going at it hardcore he was he was hit punk rock hip-hop all the shit I love was all mixed up in that record fuck yeah dude they they blended those styles well and we'll be talking about that tonight but uh yeah just pure white boy aggression Cottonmouth King especially that first album I thought it was I thought it was funny when E-Man was talking about it on uh, Checkmate Industries. He was talking about how they thought it was odd. A bunch of crazy white boys was coming down to the hood to get beats from them. And I was like, that sounds like the Cottonmouth Kings I love right there. Yeah, man. Dope shit. That was a really good episode. Hell yeah. But let's get into it. Let's get into our top five. I'll let you kick it off. You are the guest. So what's your number five? At the five spot, I'm going with Hidden Stash 2. The standout tracks to me. Mine's playing tricks on me. Welcome to the Suburbs, Dying Days, Paid Vacation. It's it's literally an album. I just put in the CD player back in the day, press play and let it play all the way through. Smoke to it. It was a perfect jam session. It the the uh, CD ended well. Had like some. It kind of kind of rode the highs throughout the album. And then at the end, kind of brought you down. Had the Grow Room Jam on it, which was a really good one. If you'd already got a couple blunts into the album, that song sounded really good then. Fuck yeah, yeah, really dope album. And it was pretty much all original music. It sounded like a brand new album when it came out. Yeah, that's that's what I also thought. Like you look back at other hidden stashes, and it was either like mixes that weren't used, and then you had some songs that didn't make albums. It seemed like this album was a new album to me. All the music, like you said, was new. They put out a bunch of videos from it. And other than uh, Mind Playing Tricks on me, which was a cover, of course, of Ghetto Boys, I think it was all new original Cottonmouth Keys. I, I think it was as well. All right, your number five, Hidden Stash 2. My number five, of course, I got to show the CDs. Oh, yeah. Stash 1. This was right after the debut of Royal Highness. Um, this shit is even more grimier than Hidden uh, Royal Highness. Royal Highness. This shit is demos and tracks that didn't make it to Royal Highness. And it even has an original Cottonmouth Kings de- demo with Johnny Richter, Nightlife. Really dope shit. That was the selling point of that album when it came out. It's like, oh, there's the actual, that's the actual song with all three of them on it. Right. So um, this shit right here, Frontline, great fucking song. Um, talking about being West Coast juggalos and shit like that. That was another huge selling point for me for Cottonmouth back in the day. Absolutely. I was straight juggalo shit for like two years straight, nothing but juggalo shit. And then when I heard them yelling that shit out, I was like, I'm good. Um, the original so high. I like the original so high better than the, the one that made it onto Royal Highness. That shit is so hard, like way more chill, but still super hard. Um, one of my favorite Cottonmouth King songs ever on this album, every day solo Saint dog. Oh yeah, love that track. It's some real life shit. He's talking about you know family being locked up, family passing on, shit like that. Saint Dog, man, 
super hard on that track. Love the beat to that shit. The chorus, super dope. And then you got the remix to Suburban Life. It's kind of a stripped down version of Suburban Life. It's kind of harder. Those drums fucking just hit you in the chest. It's grimier for sure. It sounds like it's less polished. You can tell that right. you you can tell the new one was made to to kind of try to get some radio hits, which it did. It got some radio play. It, it still plays in the background of MTV, like random reality shows. You'll hear a uh, dog's life and you'll hear suburban life. And of course it was on the screen, actual movie. Yeah. Yeah. The suburban life got a bunch of fucking play on MTV and all that shit back in the day. Um, then you got other tracks on here. Shouts going out, propping up their city P town, you know, that, the original group name was PTB, the P-Town Ballers. Had nothing to do with balling either. It was about basketball. They were right, all just exactly. huge basketball fans. Yeah. From what I understand, D'Lo could have got a sponsor or a scholarship to college. Yeah, that's what he's always rapping about it. Right. Um, but yeah, my number five, the first hidden stash. Really grimy shit on there. Love it. I got no beefs with that being in the top five at all. I'll move it up to my four spot. Going the Green Album, which is one of the newer albums of the Cottonmouth Kings discography. I just love the whole vibe of that album. It's one that's it's it's not a, it's not really aggressive. It's one that it's just a good sit back and hit a bowl to. And there's literally a song on there called Pack Your Bowls. I think that's a real standout. I think Where I'm Going is probably one of my top five favorite Cottonmouth Kings songs ever. I think Blaze of Glories was really good. Uh, the K-O-T-T-O-N-M-K-O. U T H K I N G's that song. That song's dope. I thought every song had pretty good uh music behind it. It was just a chilled album. It was it was a really good, it was kind of like Tangerine Dream, that vibe. And it they kept that throughout the whole album. There was a couple of songs on there, which I don't even really like the aggressive songs on the album. It's more the mellow ones I like, but it's almost like a whole album full of tangerine dreams. Yeah, man, uh, that where I'm going track. Uh, the Green Album is one of those albums uh, that I n- didn't really heavily get into, but that Where I'm Going, like you said, that's definitely one of their best songs that they've ever put out. Love that shit. It's classic Johnny Richter. That's like Johnny Richter at his best, hitting the melodies. That's what he brought to the group so much was mixing the melody with the rap, and I think that's where he shows it most in that song. Absolutely. You love that shit, Johnny Richter with those melodies. And he could rap his ass off too. I think that, in my opinion, that was the last great Cottonmouth King album to come out. Okay. Yeah, I I was thinking about that today. In my opinion, the last great Cottonmouth King album to come out. Like, great Cottonmouth King album. Actually, I'll talk about it later. Right on. All right, my number four. No spoilers. No spoilers. Fuck that. All right. <laughs> number four, High Society. This was... I remember when this shit, I've, I've been following Kamo since Royal Highness. This album dropped. I was mad hyped for this album. I pop it in. Who the fuck is this dude rapping? And where the <laughs> fuck is Saint Dog? Absolutely. That was my first question. And then I opened the booklet. Who the fuck is this guy? Yup. I had no idea who the fuck that was. Even though Johnny Richter was on the Hidden Stash album, I had no idea. And, you know, once listening through the album, you know, you put two and two together. You're like, okay, Johnny Richter's back in the group, but where the fuck did Saint Dog go? But solid fucking album nonetheless. This is when they started out that new kind of, I, I kind of want to say groundbreaking production. They went with like more of like a futuristic kind of sound, 
their production was ahead of their time. Starting with this album, this shit on here, Kuma Guy, Mike Kuma Guy, is a fucking monster on the boards. The beats that he cooks up, man, fucking bangers. And this album right here, you got tracks daydreaming phases in your fucking face that bump, bump, bump. Love that shit. The joint, you know, they're just classic stoner shit. They get too high and they can't find the fucking joint. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, fun fact about this CD uh, that I actually learned on the show that I did with the roundtable discussion from Checkmate Industries is Saint Dog wrote the chorus for Face Facts. Um, and that was his way to get out of the contract with Capital. Um, that's how they explained it. Um, and that's a fucking dope track. And you can kind of tell that was written by Saint Dog as well. It sounds like a Saint Dog track for sure. Yeah. And I remember back uh, back in that time, you talk about whenever they put the picture out in the album, there's like nine dudes in that picture. And I remember hearing uh, Daddy X saying it was because they had just booted Saint out of the band and they didn't clear it with capital and they were hoping they would just take a picture of a bunch of dudes and they wouldn't realize the dude that was right. the ma- that led the majority of that first album is no longer in the group. Right. That's why there was so many dudes pictured in that album. Yeah. That shit was wild. Um, for just St. Dog to disappear. I mean, he was even claiming he was the leader of the group. Yeah, so, uh, he was. The, I mean, he was the front man, undoubtedly. But you look at those videos from the first era, and then listen to the songs. The songs were—you could tell they're written by him. They're—they're more—they're more about than just my weed's good. It was about the system and uh, fighting, fighting uh, uh, bad jail sentences and people getting locked up for weed when they didn't need to be. Which he's locked up for weed when he shouldn't be right now. So he's still right. fighting those fights. Yeah, I mean, you got tracks on here like that with peace, not greed classic anti fuck the system shit love that track king's blend is a fucking classic cottonmouth king's cut and then you got uh the track with icp the wicked clowns i thought icp kind of fucked that track up because they i hate when people have icp on tracks and purposely slow the beat down like icp can keep up with those faster type beats and they kind of ruined the song for me still a banging ass track but I thought it kind of threw it off. Um, But yeah, love this album. Debut of Johnny Richter, full length, number four, High Society. I'll keep it at High Society with my number three. It's going to be High Society. Talk about the uh, first album of Johnny Richter. I went to the first gathering of the Juggalos, and this album dropped like a week before the first gathering of the Juggalos. And I've already said I'm a huge Saint Dog fan. Saint's the reason I was into Cottonmouth King. So I was pretty much had my mindset that when I got the the Cottonmouth King show, I was going to hate this dude on stage that was trying to sing Saint Dog's parts and then bringing out the new songs. And by the end of the concert, I was at the Cottonmouth King's booth, uh, merch booth buying gear because Johnny Richter, man, he tore that shit up. He sounds just as good melodically live as he does on record and he was able to he took the same parts but he didn't keep the same lyrics he switched them up to his own so you kind of got to respect that even more and by the end of that performance at the first gathering i was sold on johnny richter and the cottonmouth keys going forward and i was i'd written them off when i heard saint wasn't going to be in the group anymore i'll be honest there was a period in time where i was angry because saint dog wasn't wasn't in the group anymore and there was no real explanation i mean the internet was around at that time but i didn't have fucking internet 
you know i i don't from what i understand the only explanation was they kind of just split ways but it's come out later on that saint dog was just too fucking rowdy for him (laughs) yeah he was just living that life too much yeah, so. uh, that's why Richter wasn't on the first album is because he decided to kind of go the sling and drugs route. And instead of yeah. going to the studio every day and just living on whatever scrapes they could get off of the Cottonmouth Kings back then, he, he went and so drugs. So that's why he wasn't on the first album. That's what Richter even said about it. So it's kind of like both of them have kind of went through it while on the Cottonmouth Kings. Right. And l- like you said, Cottonmouth, uh, Johnny Richter fit right in, man. Um I remember hearing rumors that Saint Dog was pissed at Richter for doing his vocals at shows. Yeah, uh, but you can't really blame Richter for that because they have to perform those songs. Yeah, they're cla- they were classics, especially at that point. Talking about in two thousand at the gathering, I mean, they only had they. You've got to play the hits from Royal Highness. You can't just come out and play your entire new album. Everybody's gonna hate it because they were there to see the songs that they love from previously. Right, uh, exactly. One- one thing I didn't mention is I went to Hollow Wicket 98, and if you remember the Hollow Wicket 98 single had Cottonmouth Kings on them. That should have been the first time I got to see Cottonmouth Kings, but they got kicked off that tour. They were actually <laughs> supposed to be there, but they got kicked off the tour. That's funny. They're actually on the single, didn't make it to the actual show. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. My number three, Hidden Stash 2. Nice. This album right here, this is when they really started getting into their sound. This They took everything that they started dabbling with on High Society and just improved and made it better on Hidden Stash 2. Uh, like we said earlier, this is pretty much just a brand new album. I don't think any of these were like cuts that didn't make High Society. I think for whatever reason, they just made a new album, testing new shit out, new sounds. And decided to call it Hidden Stash. But bangers on here. They started playing more with that rip-hop, the punk rock, hip-hop with the new hip-hop kind of sound that they were going with. Dying Those, Days. Yeah, Dying Days. Gets out for that. I'm not a fan of punk music, really. But the, the way they mesh the punk rock and the hip-hop together, it's so fucking dope. Love that shit. Welcome to the Suburbs is one of my favorite Cottonmouth King songs. That beat is so fucking hard. Paid Vacation is another one of my favorites. Love that shit. Um, Things I Do, Johnny Richter, just get fucked up. Love that shit. Um, Mind Playing Tricks on Me, great Ghetto Boys cover. Uh, Usually cover songs, I've said numerous times, cover songs are just like... Most of the time, no go. But that shit, that shit really, they did really good on that fucking cover. Um, Bipolar, that punk rock shit. New Destination, love that shit. Just Hidden Stash 2, man. This is when they really started coming into that sound and really figuring out what direction and what, what they really wanted to sound like. I think Hidden Stash 2 is pretty similar to Ringmaster from ICP. Right before you get Rolling Stone, which I think is pretty much the epitome of that Cottonmouth King sound, you had to get Hidden Stash 2, and it, I think it kind of played the Ringmaster role. And then you seen with Riddlebox, the clowns had fully figured it out by then, and yep. I think that's kind of what they had done on Rolling Stone. I think that was the progressive album that you could hear them really change up their styles and really start to figure things out. Yep. Yeah, Hidden Stash 2, that's... Th- 
dope fucking album. All right. I just spoke of it. I'll move it up to the two spot. Rolling Stones. That's classic. As soon as it came out, it was just one of those albums where like that's this is what a Cottonmouth Kings album should sound like front to back. I think it was like over 20 tracks. Just put it on and just groove with it. It had every element of what Cottonmouth Kings do well. It had the rip hop. It had the punk rock sound. It had uh, it had the uh, the laid back positive vibe type of sound. Endless, uh, Endless Highway is one of my all time favorites. They're just stand every track on the album's good in my opinion. Positive vibes and joy. Endless Highway, 420, Tangerine Sky, Rest of My Life, Full Throttle, just on and on. Just every track on the album is a good song. Absolutely, and my number two is Rolling Stone. So we can just continue the discussion. I was just bumping this album today. Um, you were discussing, you said the Green Album was their last great album. This album is their last great album, in my opinion. Yeah, they put out good albums after, but great, great albums, classic shit. This album right here, while not my number one favorite album, I could say that this is their best album musically. They fucking knocked it out of the park with that punk rock hip hop shit that we were just talking about. The I think they called it Stony Vibrations, like the positive vibes, Tangerine Sky. Johnny Richter with that harmonizing. Really dope shit. Their production. Mike Kuma guy really just honed in on that fucking production. Knocked it out of the park on this album. Super hot. Like, just this is classic Cottonmouth King shit right here. Absolutely. Classic era Cottonmouth Kings too. The shows were probably at the hypest at that point. And it was probably when Cottonmouth King and SRH was at its biggest. You could go into Hot Topic and Spencer's and find Cottonmouth King stuff all of a sudden. Yeah. And there's and it was it was big to see ICP back in the day. And then then you see Twisted and then you know Twisted sales and they get the Dark Lotus shirts and they're like, okay, what else are Juggalos like? And Cottonmouth Kings. All of a sudden you're seeing Cottonmouth Kings in Spencer's, yeah. which was shocking to me. Yeah, At the man. time, for dudes that push weed as as much as they did back in the nineties, right? Uh, Cottonmouth. This was around the time Cottonmouth really started blowing up. I think this album helped them really take it to the next level and be on that kind of a psychopathic records status that psychopathic was on at the time. This album came out two thousand two, so we're talking about the era of the sixth. You know what I mean? So psychopathic was pretty much in their prime at that point. Um, and Suburban Noise was get getting to their prime with this album. I, I, I think they reached their prime with like number seven. That's when they started fucking with strange music a lot. Start doing those strange noise tours and shit like that. Here's a hot take. I think Rolling Stone... I, I can barely hear you right now. I think Rolling Stone is better than either of the six Joker stories. I thought about it come out in the same era. I thought, I thought the six... Joker's card. I thought okay. Rolling Stone was better than each of them. Um, then the six Joker's card. Yeah, I, th I think it was better. You said it. You know, it came out in the same era, kind of two thousand two. I think Rolling Stone was better than either of the six Joker card albums, Wraith or Shangri La. You know what? Or I mean, Shangri La or Hell's Pit. Yeah, you know what? I never compared Cottonmouth to ICP like that, but. I There's do. more tracks I like on Rolling Stone than either of the, of I mean, the Wraith albums. I, I think I go back to Rolling Stone more than I do the Wraith. I fucking love Shangri-La. Hell's Pit is kind of 50-50 for me, 
but I love Shangri-La, but I probably do go back to Rolling Stone more than Shangri-La. This album's so fucking hard. 420, I love that track. That was my alarm clock for the longest time ever in like 2003, back whenever cell phone alarm clocks were new and fresh and everything. That was my alarm clock forever. And it was just a recording of the actual album playing through my speaker. It wasn't like I downloaded it on my phone. That's funny. Um, The song with uh, Judge D, Living in Fear, another one of those classic that's where daddy system. x shines Fight. those yeah, songs exactly yeah I, the thing with cottonmouth kings they started losing me when daddy x started being more prominent with rapping on the albums it, yeah he wasn't that good of a rapper to be honest <laughs> no not at all he, he didn't even intend to, tend to didn't intend to be a rapper when he started out I think just that the group had dropped so many in members he just had to start rapping more right but um that track's so fucking hard um you know, living in fear, fear their cops, you know, whatever the fuck. That shit, so hard. But yeah, number two, Rolling Stone. Their best album musically, but my second favorite album. I got no beef with that, of course, as I had it my number two as well. I guess we'll go ahead and get into number one. I'm going Royal Highness. It started it all. I don't think there's any skippers on the entire album. Play On's my favorite track. Like I said, that was the first one that really connected with me when I listened to the album the first time. I've always loved psychedelic funk. I think that just really shows their range. And it really showed uh, what the Cottonmouth Kings could do differently than everybody else you'd ever heard in that song. And in Dog's Life, of course. Fallen Token Alcoholics, Bump, of course, one of the uh, singles and videos from it. There's no skippers on the album. There's not one. The only one that I even kind of don't like sometimes the spies and that's just the beginning of it. And then once you get past the beginning of it, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. All right. Fuck it. Number one, Royal Highness. Gotta be. Uh, yeah. It, this album is it's the only one with Sane on it. <laughs> Besides hidden stash, but hidden stash was just tracks that didn't make Royal Highness. Yeah. I, th- I think Saint was probably out of the group at that time. And they were just trying to figure out what the fuck they were going to do. But fuck, man, if I were to tell anybody to, to start, it's tough because if you go with any album after this, St. Dog's not on it and you're going to get a completely different sound. But if you want that hard, grimy shit, uh, this is the album, man. Just St. Dog was so fucking dope on this album. And angry. Yeah, <laughs> man, like his his lyrics... My favorite song in this album is High Society. I said it on the Cottonmouth Confusion Part 2 with those guys. Fuck your pension. If you're paid, pay attention. Teacher on this land, yo, you're all on detention. Fell to mention about the everyday struggle. (laughs) Yeah, he was was on some whole other shit on Royal Highness. It was stuff that was uh, more comparable to like Rage Against the Machine than it was stoner rap. Yes. And you still had the stoner rap on here with songs like So High, Bog Token Alcoholics, um, even Planet Budtron kind of a little bit. But yeah, man, like this album was their angriest album for sure. And they were like 18 years old when they recorded this shit. Like they were fucking kids. And this shit, super dope. Just classic production from... E-Man, uh, the AK Brothers, um, just Bump is another one of those classic tracks. Dog's Life. 
I used to not be a big fan of dogs like that would be my skipper back in the day. But as time has gone on, I listen to this album front to back now. I don't skip a single fucking song. Love this album. What's your trip? I need another hit. I need another hit. What's your trip? Like just this was Saint Dog. I wish Saint Dog would go back to this style. Yeah, for sure. I wish the whole I wish the whole group would go back to it if they were able to get back to that musically and get all that ingredients in there. But like you were saying, uh with the checkmate guys that I, you got to have X to have that complete sound. Cause he does bring his own, his own flavor to it. I believe X taught them how to write songs because he was in bands before that, you know, humble gods shit like doggy that. style. Yep. So he, I believe he's, he, he knew what the fuck he was doing. He's like, you're good at this. You're good at that. I'm going to show you how to put this together and we're going to make some classic fucking music. Imagine if St. Dog never left the group and Johnny Richter joined. Imagine St. Dog on Rolling Stone. Yeah, that, that, yeah, it'd be nasty. Hearing him, imagine hearing St. Dog on songs like Zero Tolerance. Yeah. Uh, Subnoise Rats. Uh, what's the other? Living Welcome Richter. to the Suburbs on a Hidden Stash 2. I want to hear St. on. He could have fit in so well on those tracks. You could have had the angry raps from Saint Dog, the stony raps from D-Loc, and then you could have had just, you know, Richter doing his thing, bringing in those melodies and the harmonizing and shit like that. And then you got X just bringing it all together with those hooks and kind of that punk rock shit that he was doing, screaming on the tracks and shit like that. Man. They had a, they had the whole package going around then, and then you add in Pacalica on stage, and I, and if and if you're at a gathering of the Juggalos and you've hit up the drug bridge or something, got festive in that in the nighttime activities, and you're hearing Cottonmouth Kings, and all of a sudden Pacalica breaks out with one of his dance routines for like you know a five minute to where he's just going forever. You you lose yourself in that, and literally he looks like he's made of elastic. It's crazy. Like it was it was some uh some Woodstock trip stuff. Yeah, man. His I've seen Cottonmouth Kings probably four or five times live, and they fucking put on a show. They when they had Taxman on Taxman, yeah. You got Lou Dog on the fucking low rider drum set. Um Pacalica doing the dances, you know, rest in peace, Pacalica. That shit was so tragic. Yeah. Out of nowhere. I didn't even know he had asthma. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. Um, it was really cool. They had his mom at the SRH fest. Uh, Zinger brought her out. That's yeah, pretty cool. That was dope. Um, Zinger's a good dude, man. He sounds like, I don't know him personally, but he sounds like he's a good dude. And he's, and whenever Cottonmouth was on SRH, they were always, good business wise. And then I listened to the uh, Facebook video he had and he said, he's willing to take a loss to make back right. Whatever was right. done wrong with like Kingmaker and all that. I was like, yeah, they need to get, they need to get back with this dude. Cause this dude knows what he's knows what he's doing when it comes to the music business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the, the classic Cottonmouth shit, let's run through our five and then continue our discussion once more. What was your five albums? Uh, go ahead and read yours. I got to pull mine up. All right. My number five was Hidden Stash, volume one. My number four was High Society. Number three, Hidden Stash 2, The Cream of the Crop. Number two, Rolling Stoned. 
Number one, Royal Highness. Not a lot of difference in our list, other than I think the Green Album and Hidden Stash One are the only differences. And I and I thought about putting Hidden Stash One on the top five in place of the Green Album, so there's not a lot of difference. I had at five Hidden Stash Two, at four the Green Album, at three High Society, at two Rolling Stone, and at one Royal Highness. Fuck yeah, all dope albums. Yeah, I don't think there. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those albums. I'm also. I was also a fan of uh, Number Seven. It was a good one. I liked uh, Coast to Coast. I thought it was a pretty good one. The, the Sunrise Sessions was good for just a random album that I wasn't expecting much from. I like yeah. the Joint Ventures album. There's not a whole lot of albums from them that they put out that I didn't like. I didn't like their feel with Dirtball. I didn't like how he mixed with them. He just he don't get me wrong. Dirtball can rap his ass off. He's by far the best rapper in the group, but he, his flow just didn't fit in with their stony vibe. It was just too much difference. And plus. Whenever they were hyping to bring a new Cottonmouth Kings member and they're showing like a shadow of them and it's like a bald dude and you're thinking Saint Dog and then you get Dirtball. It don't matter who was sitting in that chair. You're going to be disappointed. I was super disappointed. I was I remember watching that video thinking, oh, shit, this is the moment I've been waiting fucking 10 years for. Me too. This is it. We're getting fucking Saint Dog back in the group. And here's Dirtball. And then I was like disappointed. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I like Dirtball. I fuck with him. I got his albums. Let's see how this goes. But I'm, you know, that disappointment is still there. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. because anybody but Saint was gonna be. You could have brought Shaggy Tudo out on that throne, and I would have been disappointed because it wasn't Saint. Right. But but I did tell Dirtball I got to meet uh, Cottonmouth Kings at the at the uh, gathering meet and greet in 2010. Whenever Dirtball was on stage with him, I thought he held his own. And I told Dirtball, I was like, man. Whenever you got added to the group, I wasn't looking forward to your you being live with the Cottonmouth Kings just because I'm used to that sound and I thought you were going to mess it up. Live, I thought he, he hung with them a lot better. It wasn't as noticeable, but on the disc, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, the long live. All his parts were dope, but yeah. they just didn't fit with Cottonmouth Kings. The long live the Kings album was dope, but after that, I kind of, I didn't listen to. What was it? Sunrise Sessions after that? Yeah. I have the CD. Never listened to it. Uh, I did listen to Mile High because it came with a bonus disc where Saint Dog was on every song. And yeah. They were actually supposed to bring him back in the group at that point with Dirtball. And they were going to record an album, but never happened. Um, and then that whole fucking Suburban Noise split happened. And... Fast forward five years to pretty much nothing fucking happening, and we're here now. But yeah, I kind of fell off with Cottonmouth. To be honest, I kind of fell off with Cottonmouth Kings after Coast to Coast. The Green album was like whatever to me, and then after that, you know, they brought Dirtball in the group. I listened to that, you know, like I said, but I kind of fell off after Coast to Coast for me. It's pretty much the same with me. Uh, I fell off after. Uh, long live the Kings though. Like I said, I just couldn't get into that vibe. There was too many skip tracks in it. Like every time you got that, that Cottonmouth King song, no, I mean, no hate against Dirtball. Just it would, then Dirtball would be there. He should, I mean, he fits good as a guest, but through the whole album, it just didn't work for me. So after long live the Kings, I would just listen to like the songs that I'd see people saying were dope. Right. And yeah, like you said, no hate to Dirtball. I've no, I do could wrap his ass off. 
I said it before, I'll say it again. He put out Skull Hollow this year. Still one of my favorite albums this year. That shit is so fucking hard. His best album yet. And he's always put out dope albums. I think it's cool that uh, he kind of knows that he's a better solo artist anyways. He has no interest in going back and doing the Cottonmouth Kings thing. And and I, he may have even heard it. I mean, to be to not want to go back and try to make some money as a, one of the Cottonmouth Kings. I mean, you, I mean, no disrespect to him. He's playing like small stages at the gathering. If you're on the if, if the whole Cottonmouth Kings there, you're on the main stage all of a sudden making a lot bigger bag of money. But he has no interest in that because I, maybe he knows that he just sounds better as a solo artist. Yeah, and I think there was. Just, I still, I think there's bad blood between people still, and there's bad blood between everybody in that camp. <laughs> yeah, especially Bobby B and anybody. Oh, Bobby B. No, nothing to do with him. Oh no, we talked about that on that show too. It's like anybody brings up Cottonmouth Kings on one of his posts, or if he just randomly comments on somebody's post, it's no nothing, nothing good at all. I remember uh, little Jerry he was like, yeah, man, he did a three hour interview one time, just went live. It just went for three hours. <laughs> yeah, man. Bobby B. You know, who knows what happened? I don't know what happened. No. I'm sure he has fucking good reason to have bad blood. Uh, the whole situation seemed. What did you think of that whole thing when sub sub noise started to fucking just tank and the split happened? So you mean originally whenever like Daddy X was saying people weren't getting paid for like their iTunes downloads and stuff? Yeah. I mean, immediately, like Zinger said, you side with the artist because you don't you don't know the you don't know Zinger other than he's just the manager. But then but then Zinger did his own Facebook, which I uh, live video, which I can't find right after X did that. And he was he literally went on to the SRH account and was saying how many units everybody sold and what got paid. I remember him bringing up Dirtball saying he sold like 1,100 units, and there's his money, there's what he got for it. And once I seen that, and then there was nothing ever again from Daddy X, I was like, well, Zinger was obviously telling the truth because if somebody calls you out to that degree and you don't come back with anything for them, then they were speaking facts. That's how, that's how I felt because at first I was like, oh, Kevin Zinger fucked him over, which kind of sounded like a typical manage, manager move. Yeah, it sounds like every music musical artist you've ever heard of is uh, behind the yeah. music. <laughs> but like you said, he put out that video. I remember that video. He went through, yep. he he said Dirtball, Slain, La Coca Nostra, Big B. He named P.E. He named off everybody. He even said Cottonmouth Kings. He's yep. named off their solo projects. And I was like, Oh, you're just like you said, you're gonna come out with info like that. All right, let's see what Daddy X comes back with. And it was fucking crickets. And crickets. <laughs> and from that point on, I was still kind of iffy about the situation, but I felt like Daddy X was the problem. And it's been confirmed pretty much at this point. Daddy X was the problem, and he he still continues to fuck people over to this day. Um, selling the music rights, not paying royalties. That's fucked up. And to throw that whole fucking legacy away like that is such a shame. And what's so crazy is, uh, like, uh, Lil Jerry was saying they're down to work with him again. Loke was wanting to get him on this last album or the next album. Like they're still down to work with him even after all that. Which, which you gotta say, you a lot of people will just immediately say that Daddy X threw the whole thing away. But those guys also have like twenty years of memories on the road with that dude, and know, like you said, that without him they never would have got put on. They, he just found them because he heard uh, Johnny Richter. And D-Lo rapping to an LL Cool J song on the radio. I was like, man, you dudes can rap. 
that's just that's and they became and they're still they're still making a career out of that. Yeah, man. So I mean, they they still they still got to have some feelings towards him positive, even though from what all the stories look like, it looks like he was in the wrong from the whole downfall of suburban noise. Even Kevin Zinger said he was he's down to talk to Daddy X. I bet in in order for fucking Daddy X to come in the picture, he would basically just have to come crawling back on his knees. I think, especially with Kevin Zinger, because. He was throwing wild rumors out about Kevin Zinger, saying that he was sleeping with his wife and shit like that. Got stabbed. Stabbed in the neck. <laughs> what the fuck, dude. Like, I, I would love to see it all come back, but I would be happy at this point with just D-Loc, Richter, and Saint Dog. Kind of like how it was on the last album, but it was kind of like. It was it was a kind of sort of thing. Like they had Johnny Richter as a feature artist. That was fucking weird. It was like they recorded half an album and then like talked to Richter finally and then got him in the group and was like, instead of recording all new Cottonmouth with Richter, Saint, and D-Lo, let's put out these songs we got already and then add these new songs we got with Richter and just having featuring, which threw everybody off. Right. Like nobody knew what the hell was up. I was like, how does a Cottonmouth king one of one of the Cottonmouth Kings featured on a Cottonmouth King CD, which I don't even think D-Loc has the right to call himself the Cottonmouth Kings, which is even more confusing. That whole situation's fucking weird because the way that the way Lil Jerry explained it to me is D-Loc owns fifty percent, and Daddy X owns the other fifty percent. Um, I doubt you know who knows. Daddy X did sell the rights to all the masters. If you look at the, if you go on Apple Music, Spotify, anything like that, it still says that Royal Family or whatever label he started under exclusive license to, and it's like Cleopatra Records or some shit like that. And he sold all the fucking rights to all those records. That's which is overlooking the future for the now benefits because look how how many vinyl records. That could be pressed up now from Cottonmouth Kings that he could have made bank off of. One of the coolest things I heard about Zinger is that he won the lawsuit to own all those rights, then gave them to Daddy X. He just wanted to prove a point that they were actually his in a court of law. Right. Then spent all that money to do so, then said, "Here you go." What a what like just a G ass move that was. Right, like that's gangster as a motherfucker. <laughs> Kevin Zinger is that fucking dude. I'm glad. I'm really glad Suburban Noise is coming back. Uh, I hope they could use the name Cottonmouth Kings. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure Zinger's going to figure out a way. I like that Three Kings uh, name that uh, Little Jerry was talking about too. That sounds like if nothing else, you can go with that. Or of course, uh, Cottonmouth King Spade. Right. Um, that would be dope. I, I just hope when Saint Dog gets out, that he's still back in the group. Yeah, because um, I remember uh, they were saying that he didn't get paid for that last album yet. And once he gets out, they got to get right on that. And then he'd be in the group because well, he didn't get paid from that last album. Apparently, apparently nobody did. And most of the people who bought it didn't get it. That album, that whole situation. And then the dude, Will, uh, I can't I can never think of his last name. Mosley, I think. Will Mosley, that piece of shit. Fuck him. I'll <laughs> say it. I don't even care. That dude never answered any fucking emails to any fans. 
It was his email associated with the account. He fucking took over the old Cottonmouth Kings. Yeah, that's, that's really ho shit. With 86,000 followers. And he has the balls to post a picture of him and Twisted talking about he grew weed for Twisted. When Twisted said that shit was <laughs> trash. He said that shit was trash and it didn't even get him high. And he still it was, posted that picture. It was so trash. But Monoxide said he was never having nothing to do with any of them. It was so trash. Not just not just the right. dude growing the weed. He wanted nothing to do with anybody involved with that business or Cottonmouth Kings that weed was so bad. He said it was right. pre-road. He's like, right. she should grow a strain for us and say it's the twisted strain and then send us fucking pre-rows. Yeah. <laughs> That dude's a fucking cornball and a half. Ripped off so many fans. When that d solo album came out, I was like, no fucking way am I placing a pre-order. I never got the fucking Kingdom Come CD. I had to get my money back through PayPal. Like, And that was a good album. Which one? Ripperside. Ripperside was... Uh, I like that better than his first solo album. Yeah, I mean, it was a good d album, and nobody got it because of that whole breakdown with... Kingmakers not sending out the Cottonmouth King CD. Yeah. And it's no longer on fucking iTunes or Apple Music or anything anymore either. I think it's still on Spotify, unless they took it down this week. Oh, okay. uh, Royal Highness isn't on Spotify if you look under Cottonmouth Kings. But if you go, if you uh, search the Cottonmouth Kings playlist, it's on there. That's the only way I can fi- even find uh, Royal Highness on Spotify these days. Yeah, they're even on Apple Music. If you search Cottonmouth Kings, some albums won't pop up. Uh, there's been days where I go look and like nothing pops up. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and then sometimes albums of instrumentals have popped up. Have you seen that yet? There's a couple that are just the instrumentals of albums that's on Spotify right now. Really? And last time I checked, it was whenever I was making this list just a couple of days ago. It was, uh, I think it was Fire It Up and Coast to Coast because I was going to listen to Coast to Coast and just bump it as I was writing the list. And it was just the beats. <laughs> oh, wow. That's then they never officially put out instrumental albums. No. So I was I was like, well, how the hell is there an instrumental album of albums that they didn't put out instrumental? I know like Dr. Dre did that with the Chronic yeah. uh, 2000s and, you know, random people do that. Uh ICP will put out the Mighty Def Pop like DJ kit and stuff like that, but I've never heard of Cottonmouth Kings doing that, and it was just the straight instrumentals. That's fucking wild. I didn't know that. I don't. I don't use Spotify. I use Apple Music. It's crazy how one one fucking streaming outlet can be so different from the next. You know, it's because there's a uh, probably like different copyright. T- uh, technology each uses and some catches some and some don't i'm guessing like somebody probably had royal highness uploaded and like it got pulled down from spotify because it can't be up there but somebody else just reloaded it and put it in a cottonmouth king's playlist and just called it the uh, the royal highness playlist and it's still up there it just hasn't called it yet yeah i went to go listen to hidden stash 2 today on apple music wasn't there uh the original hidden stash was on there it used to not be up there but it's up there now but Hidden Stash 2 is not on Apple Music. Not that I could see. I even typed in Hidden Stash, um, just typed in Hidden Stash and looked for it and couldn't find it. It's pretty wild. Uh, their whole situation is, it's unfortunate, like, how disorganized and kind of, like, discombobulated everything is. They're so dope. And, like, just a classic, classic group over the last 20 years they put out such classic material at one point like you said i heard on one of your shows it was 
psychopathic, strange, and suburban noise that was running the underground. And they were, and Cottonmouth Kings arguably was running it more than anybody. They were coming out with the most consistent albums as far as major releases. They were putting out albums every year. They were putting out at least, if it wasn't an, a brand new LP, it was something like Joint Ventures or Subnoise Soldiers. They never, they never rested. It just kept going. And even whenever Psychopathic started to slow down or tech started to slow down cottonmouth kings would continue to put albums out every year and then like you said just out of nowhere the bottom fell out yeah crazy shit um i think tech got maybe a little bit of inspiration on putting out a shitload of music from suburban noise and cottonmouth kings because they're like you said if if i remember correctly they would put out a full-length album and then some kind of you know, joint ventures, like you said, or cottonmouth experience, something like that. Hidden stash. Yeah, like sometimes they were putting out two albums a year. One would be, you know, one would be the official album, all new original music, and then another one would be like remixes or sub noise soldiers. Those albums were dope. Yeah, no uh, hidden stash two on Spotify either, but Kingdom Come is on here. That's interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, then you, it's weird with every artist. And then you get with an artist whose copyright rights are so thrown off as Cottonmouth Kings. It gets really stupid. Yeah, man. Like, it would be nice if they got the rights back to the albums. But, or since that other, you know, since Daddy X sold the rights, maybe Suburban Noise could somehow work with that. We're just going to have to see. Um, I would like. I would like to see Cottonmouth come out with a new album with Saint Dog, Richter, Delok. Shit, if they could bring Daddy X back in the picture, that would be fucking fresh as hell. I mean, Delok, they used Daddy X on the intro on Kingdom Come. Cottonmouth Kings fired up. <laughs> fired up was a great album too. That almost that almost made number five for me. I fucking love that album. Yeah, it's got some bangers on it. Uh... Uh, the one that ends the track, uh, what's it called? I can't remember. Smoke the nine away or something like that. Rip the nine away. Yep, yep. That's one. That's one of those classics. And I, I'm looking at uh, Spotify right now, and the uh, the coast to coast instrumentals is indeed on here. Okay. Still, interesting. Let's see if you can see that at all. Yep. It says instrumental outside every one of them. Oh wow! Yeah, that's it. I've never seen that before. I hadn't either until I was trying to listen to Coast to Coast for real. Glad I got it on my iPod. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm going through it on Apple. It's a, it's actually up on Apple Music, Coast to Coast Instrumentals. So I, and like you said, I, I don't remember them ever putting that out as a release. Like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, I have no idea. Like, Daddy X must have just had, like, the beats for Coast to Coast and put out a new like release to get more uh, download money. Right. <laughs> so um, Fire It Up had banging ass tracks on it. The the, the title track, Fire It Up. Uh, Bad Habits, of course, one of the better Cottonmouth songs ever. Bad Habits is one of my all-time favorite Cottonmouth King songs. Fucking love that shit. Um, the Deal, where they talk about going to meet these dudes and then they end up getting arrested at the end. That was a good storytelling. So they took a little uh, Juggalo ICP yeah. flavor with that. Took out of the Violent J bag. 
Right, yeah. The Cottonmouth Kings never really told stories like that. But mm -hmm. That was a dope-ass storytelling track right there. Um, Johnny's Got a Problem. I love that track. Johnny's Got a Problem and He's Out of Control. That's one of those good uh, rip-hop, punk rock sounding songs that gets the pit going back in the day. Yep. Yeah, really dope shit on that album. Almost made my number five. Like I said, fucking, I love Cottonmouth Kings. And number seven, it had it had the Cypress Hill song on it, which we had all been waiting for forever. I thought that was a super dope song. That was a dope song. Um, and then they had the FTI two with Tech Nine on there. Yep, King Click. Yep. Like that whole album is pretty good. Munchies. That, number seven's a decent album. Um, I saw them on that tour at the House of Blues in Boston, and they tore that shit up. What year was that? You remember? 2005, I want to say. Okay, I seen them in 2007, and they, they were at the top of their game then still. It was everybody was still in the group. Yeah. And I seen them at uh, Bogarts in Cincinnati, which is one of the uh, famous rock club that all the like, uh, new metal bands like Slipknot and Corn and Limp Bizkit played. And I got to see them there. Man, they tore that motherfucker up. They had Sin Dog open for them. Like you said, their live show back then, they just had so much going on between Taxman, Pop, they had all the uh, stage props. They bring out the giant smoking joint and everything, and then yeah. the big, uh, big chunks of weed they bring out in the bags. Yeah. Just, just a dope ass show, man. I mean, make make your show a show. Don't just make it a dude up there spinning a towel with a hype man. Yeah, man. That their live shows were fucking hype, hype as hell. You know, they eat plants. Pacalica, man. That dude would, like you said before, danced his ass off. I forget what he called that, like the hydraulic or whatever the fuck. Hydroponics, I think. Something like that. But his pot, like basically pop locking. Yeah. You know, that shit was on another level. Like you look at the old footage. I was watching uh, some YouTube footage last night um, from a show that they did in 98. It looks like it's in this like tiny ass little room and it's with St. Dog. You know, it's when Royal Highness was out and. You could see Pacalica dancing on stage, just tearing it up. So dope. That was the, that was, I think that 98 video you're talking about, or if it's not, there is a video up on YouTube from 98, Hollow Wicked, before, right before they got kicked off before the Detroit date that I went to. So yeah, I just missed that, missed that show barely. But they did bring out Twisted for a little bit longer. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Twisted at that Hollow Wicked. So at least I see Pete made up for it by bringing Twisted out with him. Dope. Yeah. Uh, I, in preparation for tonight's show, I was like, I posted that video of D Loke and Saint Dog performing Frontline in the studio. Yo. I'd never seen that before. That was really dope to see that in the studio. <laughs> I love in studio footage like that. Yeah, I remember whenever uh, ICP was talking about their box set was going to have studio from like the original Funhouse, like recording some Mikey, recording like Riddle Box and Ringmaster at the, at the, Funhouse and man, that's something I wanted to see. It ended up being a little clip that came out on YouTube, which you can see. But I wanted to see them, like you know, really see the actual process, not just like a two-minute clip of them listening to some music bobbing their head. Right. Still dope to see, but yeah, I'd like to see the actual recording process. I would like to think that we would get that someday, but well, you know, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting on the uh, first gathering. They literally had like professional. They had professional cameramen. They had to pay a, cu a couple G's filming us that entire weekend. And I, the only thing that's ever been seen from it was that Twisted footage on Born Twisted, 
Like they they have gathering footage. They have hours of just like the first gathering, which you know juggalos, not just juggalos that were there would want to see. Juggalos, you know, now that didn't have an opportunity to see what shit was like back then would like to see that. Um, the first gathering was so crazy. Uh, I was talking about it on Instagram with uh, ICP fan twenty three. Think about it. There was no thirty year old juggalo whenever the first gathering happened. Not even Violent J and Shaggy. Like, everybody had a 20-year-old's mentality. And all those crazy motherfuckers gathered out of nowhere for the first time ever. It was it was crazy. Like, it was just kids. It was kids, uh, Jay and Shaggy, putting on an event for 5,000 other really kids in the middle of Detroit. It wasn't even, like, out in the middle of nowhere like the gatherings were now. It was in Metro Detroit. Well, not Metro Detroit, but right outside of Detroit in the suburbs in Nova. So literally, you you go in the gathering, which was, of course, in the Expo Center inside. You walk out, and there's a big boys in the parking lot. <laughs> like, that's how close we were to, you know, just suburbia. All these juggalos were that close to suburbia. We took over that big boy restaurant. There was, there was nothing but, like, juggalos and weed smoke in that thing for three days. That's fucking dope. And, you know, Cottonmouth Kings was actually – originally supposed to be on psychopathic records before they went off and started suburban noise they were at that first gathering the only uh, other than icp i think they're the only musicians to be at the first and the 20th yeah a misery might have been if he had like a if he had a little show stage this year because he was at the first one yeah he was at the first one that's when that whole fucking fight popped off right uh i think that was I think that was the next year because that went down with Juggalos, and I didn't see that at the gathering. I think that was the next year. Okay. This year, uh, the first one was the first time they all performed as Riders, so they were all getting along then. That was the first ever Riders performance. Yeah. But, yeah, Cottonmouth was originally supposed to be on Psychopathic. I mean, those early records, Royal Highness and Hidden Stash, you got Juggalo references. Um I'm not Violent J, but I'm a psycho rebel. D-Lo grabbing on, um, I think it's Frontline on um, Hidden Stash. And you got uh, you got Bobby B wearing the Carnival Carnage shirt in one of their music videos as well. Yeah. Uh, fucking Lou Dog rocking the Great Malenko jersey in the High Society booklet. Yep, yep. Really? I, that's that's like my favorite ICP merch of all time is that that those jerseys just in general. I had the red one. And then my chick I was talking about from back in the day had the purple one. So those Malenko jerseys, man, I've loved every one of those, every color of them. Classic. Those are like the, the classic ICP merch. If, if I think of like a jersey, I think of that. Yeah, absolutely. Classic fucking merch from that great Malenko era. Absolutely. I remember on the shockumentary, it's got a uh, legs diamond, like going over the merch stand. He's like, 150 bucks and we don't take checks. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even credit cards back then. It was checks. Right. And we don't take checks. <laughs> yeah, and that's $150 in 1997. Think about right. that. That's like, you know, over 20 years ago and it was still the same price as today. So back then that $150 was like 500 today. Yeah. It was and the shit, the shit they did, I mean, they still put out quality, like the jerseys is still quality, but it seemed like back then they were like just a little bit, like they, they were spending that extra few dollars to get that really top quality fucking jerseys and t-shirts and shit like that. It was almost like you had to spend top dollar because the, the ones that made the lower quality weren't around yet. Like the equipment hadn't been made to manufacture jerseys cheaply. Like every, every jersey you got back then, everything was stitched onto it. It was like patches and stitches. 
Right. And then once like people started being able to figure out how to like screen print over Jersey material, kind of went a little bit lower quality. But back then, like if you got a Jersey from psychopathic, that thing would last five years of wearing it, you know, once a week. Absolutely. You know what? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I never owned like any Cottonmouth Kings merch, only CDs. I've never had T-shirts. I'm, I think they put out jerseys. Yeah, they had they had they they didn't do a lot of hockey jerseys because of, you know in California it had been kind of hot to wear long sleeves. But the the basketball jerseys were always dope. They had like the four twenty as the number and everything. Yeah, I always thought about I always thought about getting the the basketball jersey when I'd see them at the gathering, but I'm just not much on basketball jerseys. The, uh, the My favorite Cottonmouth King shirt I had, it was whenever they were putting like, uh, they were putting graphics like across the chest, or like across the chest area, like a tattoo. And it was all Cottonmouth King's logo. It kind of looked like a tattoo. And then it had like Cottonmouth King's is kind of like a, kind of like a Tupac where Tupac has it across his stomach where he has uh Thug life. It it had like Cottonmouth Kings. It's kind of done like in the in the theme of tattoos. I thought those were always dope, and I never really seen anybody else do that. Yeah, that's. It fit their style well because you look at them and they have all oh, those yeah. actual tattoos on them in those spots. Like you could tell just by looking at them, they're they're West Coast dudes. Yo, Absolutely. for sure, wearing the uh, khakis and the uh, Chuck Taylors back in the day. Yeah, the fucking socks up to their knees and shit. Yep. Cottonmouth Kings is probably, other than the Hatchet Man tattoo that I got in 1998, which now I've got like 30 Juggalo tattoos, uh, Cottonmouth Kings was second. I've got the Cottonmouth King logo on my arm, and then I've got the uh, SRH spade on my leg, and I've had those for over 15 years. Hell yeah. Really dope shit. I I got... I don't have any Cottonmouth Kings ink. I do plan on getting the, some KMK ink at some point just because they're they're just one of my favorite groups of all time. Love Cottonmouth Kings. I'm pretty sure I have every release on CD, which is fucking wild because they put out a lot of shit. Uh, I was noticing whenever I was looking through uh, Royal Highness that uh, there's a couple of different variations of the Royal Highness, and I know how big of like an audio guy you are. There's one that doesn't have bump, the remix, and then there's one that is apparently. I didn't know there was a variation. Oh no, shit! Yeah, th- there is a different one. It's like a, it's not as good as the one that's on Royal Highness, though. I've heard it. Um, it's kind of like a stripped down version of it. I don't know, like to have it's it's the uh, it's the one they put the video out of. That's the audio from the video, the music video. Okay. And then the original one's the, just the original one. But there's there's a re-release of Royal Highness that has both of the bumps. Like, bump is the extra, extra. The bump remix is the extra, extra hidden track on there. No shit. I didn't know that. Yep. It was, I guess, whenever the video came out, I guess they figured they should re-release it and for people that like that version. I know they put out some vinyl. That's on vinyl. But trying to find that for a cheap price, good luck. Yeah, because that came out whenever like vinyl wasn't coming out very often. <laughs> right, um, like the old school uh, Riddle Box album. Right, um, I do have a couple advanced. I have an advanced copy of High Society. I have an advanced copy of uh, Rolling Stone. Nice. So I have a couple, a couple variations, but pretty much I just have everything that they put out. Uh, you know that wasn't really rare. It's their shit is kind of rare now though. You look it up. Um, 
it's not super hard to find, but it's not really easy either at the same time. It's going to be with the with the rights to their music in limbo like it is. Everybody, The only way you can guarantee that you're going to be able to listen to Royal Highness tomorrow is to have the fucking CD of it. Because right. it might get pulled off of anything that you're streaming it on at right. any time. Right. It may be replaced with the instrumental version of the album. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, like I said earlier, there's been times I've looked up Cottonmouth Kings on Apple Music and nothing popped up. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's like looking for a, like an underground horrorcore artist that's got like three fans. Like that's the only time I expect to not be able to find something. This group's literally been around for what twenty two years now, right. and you, sometimes you can search them on Spotify and not find anything. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I think I'm gonna wrap this bitch up. We've been going about an hour. We didn't have to talk about other things. We pre-show is like might have to break out some other stuff beside Cottonmouth Kings. I think we pretty much kept the Cottonmouth Kings the whole time, which is dope for me. Absolutely, I, that's what that was the plan. I mean, Cottonmouth Kings, so dope. I'm I, I'm excited for the future for the Suburban Noise reboot. Uh, I'm excited for new music. I'm glad Richter is back in the picture. I'm glad Saint Dog's back in the picture. We got three original kings. I hope it stays that way. And at least. <laughs> at least the three kings. I'm I'm happy with it. We know Bobby B ain't coming back. That's the one that's checked out. We ain't even getting Bobby B back. Right. Uh, everybody else is still a possibility. Yeah. But if I got those three that you talked about, I'm good with that. I'm good with that as well. Um, and we got and we got SRH putting their stuff out so we know we get it. Exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah. Exactly. You know you're gonna get it. I in th- another thing, real quick. They just started dropping new merch, and people are actually getting their shit, which is dope to see. Yeah, in two or three days. Right. They're yeah, already getting their. They're already getting, and a bunch of the hats are already selling out. So if anybody wants one of those old school throwback Cottonmouth Kings hats, they've been popping on their website. Definitely go over there and jump on them because I was looking at some of them, and there was already a couple colors that were sold out, and there was a few that said like two left and one remaining. That was a couple days ago, so definitely jump on that. Yep, cottonmouthkingstore.com, I believe it is. Yep, yep. But uh, I want to give you a shout-out. Thank you for hopping on, and great episode, Cottonmouth Kings, top five albums. Um, do you want to plug your socials or anything like that? Yeah, anybody that uh, wants to follow my socials, it's just at Joker's Gallery on Instagram and Twitter, or you can find, like, uh, 2019, which is a – Amazing Jekyll Brothers documentary, which features Rome Bone, uh, Murder Mayhem show, TJ from Dark Carnival Spirits and all those talking about the 20 years of Amazing Jekyll Brothers. Just go to a Fago Lovers YouTube page and it's right on there or just search 2019. It comes up almost 15,000 views on that already. So get it up to 15,000. That was a really good documentary. Really well put together. So much props to you on that. And then everybody I asked knocked it out of the park. That's why I asked the Juggalos. I knew if you ask Juggalos to do something, they're always going to go the extra step. And everybody I asked just knocked it out of the park. That's why it was so dope. It was just a different perspective from everybody. Fuck yeah. All right. And uh, thank you again. And to everybody that tuned in, thank you for tuning in. And until next time. I'm out. Pace. Fuck your pension. If you'll pay, pay attention. Teachers of this land, yo, you're all under tension. You feel the mansion. About this everyday struggle. Raised me in a bubble, but it popped up the double. Then you in trouble, cause I'm older now. I'm older now, bitch, I'm a soldier now. I've been raised to blaze in this simple place. Like a greyhound's race to race. It's a disgrace. Police crack a skulls with no questions
Got hustles holding on to this scams like it was they Bible But I'm viable for me to stay tribal